Hi, this is Wendy, and you're listening to the Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hello, folks, and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and I am thrilled to be with you today, so very thankful. Thanks for taking time to join me. If this is your first time listening to us today, welcome. We are so glad you're here. It's Sunday, February 13th, and we're going to have an awesome time as we study the Lord's work together. I'm really excited to dive into this message, but as always, before we do, let's have a word of prayer. Most gracious and heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege you've given us today, the very breath we have to rise up and to gather together to hear from your word. Thank you for the privilege of being the voice to bring it today. I pray that you'll bless all that hear and that we would become even more doers of the word. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You know, it's fair to say that we have different likes and dislikes. Some folks like coffee, others don't. Some prefer Coca-Cola products, others prefer Pepsi products. Some like active vacations like skiing or motorcycle touring or camping. Others prefer more rest and relaxation. Some prefer fruit as a treat for their palate, while others want chocolate. Some like yogurt. Others think even its name just sounds nasty. And we all have different backgrounds. Some grew up in permissive households, while others were raised in a more strict environment. Some were raised in Christian homes. Others were not. Some grew up on farms or in rural settings. Others were city dwellers. Some were born in the USA, and some came here from other countries. And we've had different experiences that have helped to shape us, such as some were raised in one house in one town, others moved around a lot. Some had the benefit of wealth, others have experienced poverty. Some have served in the military, some have remained civilians, and some have had reasonably few medical challenges. Others have had repeated surgeries or have battled physical handicaps. That all said, as a church family, we have choices to make. We can choose to focus on what separates us or how we're different from one another, or we can choose to focus on what brings us together. And what brings us together is the cross of Jesus Christ and the grace of God. Today, we're continuing in our sermon series called What We Believe. These are the core values that we have here at Word of Hope Christian Church. So far, we've covered the core values of the Bible, God, and Jesus Christ. Now we're talking about the next core value, the Holy Spirit, and we're going to take five weeks to do it. We're already three weeks in. Today is week number four. Three weeks ago, we started by saying that the Holy Spirit is a person and he is divine. Then two weeks ago, we said that if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And we talked about the sealing of the Holy Spirit, how he is a seal and a guarantee within the body of a Christian. Last week, we talked about the anointing, the earnest, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, and looked at all 14 scriptures in the New Testament that talked about the phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to address head-on what, in my opinion, is one of the most misunderstood aspects of the Holy Spirit, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Folks, there are two problems related to this issue that I really feel we need to consider carefully before we can discuss what the New Testament says about it. The first problem is, number one, the misuse of the scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Open your Bible or Bible apps to 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and follow along. It reads, 
Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. This is a text that is constantly used by many teachers as recurring proof to establish Holy Spirit baptism as an experience for all Christians. The thought is that the Holy Spirit is the person and power who places us into the one body of Christ at the time we believe or receive Christ as our Savior. There are literally thousands of preachers who would agree with the concept that at the time we surrender our hearts to Christ, the Holy Spirit places us into the mystical universal body of Christ or his church. This experience is called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I believe that there is in fact one baptism that places us in the one body, which is the universal church of our Lord, but it's not the baptism I just spoke of. It's found in such scriptures as Galatians 3, 26 and 27, which says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. And another scripture is Romans 6, 3. Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? In Ephesians 4, 5, Paul said to the Ephesians, There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. This is the same baptism Jesus commanded in Mark 16, 16, when he said, Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Salvation and church membership are the same condition. Baptism linked with active faith gives us salvation and at the same time a place in the body of Christ is church. Check out Ephesians 2, 22 and 23. The element of baptism commanded by Jesus and received by the Galatians and Romans was water, not the Holy Spirit. Nowhere do we find Holy Spirit baptism associated with salvation or membership in the body of Christ. And nowhere in Scripture, beloved, are believers told to be baptized with, in, or by the Spirit, or in any sense to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So then we can conclude that this text, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, is describing the influence of the Holy Spirit in our salvation and should not be considered the element of our baptism. Author Don DeWelt explained it this way, I quote, By the influences of the one spirit, which are his word, his preachers, and his presence at the preaching, not to mention his providential action in our lives, which led us to hear the word, we were all led to the water of our baptism to be immersed into the one body, his church. This happened to us whether we were Jews on Pentecost or Gentiles in Galatia, whether we were slaves in Rome or freedmen in Philippi, and we were all given to drink at the refreshing well of salvation provided by the one Spirit. You know, that really makes sense to me. It really does, and I hope it does for you too. The second problem regarding this issue of baptism of the Holy Spirit is the broad or universal application to Luke's words in the book of Acts. Let's consider two of those scriptures specifically. First, Acts chapter 8, verses 14 through 24. Follow along as I read. It says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid hands on the people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God, he said. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. Now, in its completeness, this passage talks about the experience of the Samaritan believers receiving the Holy Spirit. It is erroneously called by many Holy Spirit baptism. But that's not what Dr. Luke, the author of Acts, is saying at all. The Samaritans had a supernatural experience as God chose to have a dramatic filling of his spirit. Normally, the Holy Spirit enters a person's life at conversion. It is then that the Spirit baptizes, seals, and indwells that person. In fact, the pouring out of the Spirit would happen again with Cornelius and his family. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 to 47, a sign that the uncircumcised Gentiles could receive salvation. A second scripture is Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. It reads, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus, on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. You know, it's very confusing to use an expression of Dr. Luke's, which describes a certain time and place as a general application to many times and many places. Remember that John's baptism was a sign of turning from sin, a sign of repentance, not a sign of new life in Christ. So John's ministry was preparatory. Now the Apostle Paul is in Ephesus at this time, and he comes across a group of 12 Ephesian men. They had been baptized, but only with the baptism of John. After Paul gave them adequate explanation of the gospel, they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. This is the only place in the New Testament where we find an instance of rebaptism. Then Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, similar to the day of Pentecost, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. This supernatural outpouring was God's way of uniting other, mostly Gentile, believers to the church. Unless the Bible itself describes the incidents in Samaria and Ephesus as the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we are wrong to do so. It clouds the definition and it mixes up the thinking and learning of those who study the Bible. No wonder we have such a difficult time understanding this subject. So now that we've talked about those two issues, let's get ready and look at the New Testament references about baptism of the Holy Spirit. First up is Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. 
but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy to even be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John the Baptist spoke these words to a really large crowd that had gathered on the banks of the Jordan River. This was a direct reference to what would happen at Pentecost. Here in John's words, we can see that he's pointing to the one greater than himself. He's pointing to Jesus, the Messiah. All believers, those who would later come to Jesus Christ for salvation, would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fire of purification. It's important to note that in that verse, the one article, the word the, precedes the words Holy Spirit and fire. That indicates that there are not two separate baptisms, but one and the same. Next scripture up is Acts chapter 1, verse 5. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. These are the words of the baptizer himself, Jesus. Jesus repeats verbatim the words used by John more than three years earlier. In other words, what John said in general, Jesus now makes very specific. The Old Testament promised a time when God would demonstrate his purifying power among his people, Isaiah 32:15, Ezekiel 39:29. The prophets also looked forward to a purifying fire, Isaiah 4:4, Malachi 3:2. This looked ahead to Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit would be sent by Jesus in the form of tongues of fire, empowering his apostles to preach the gospel. Notice in Acts 1 verse 2, Jesus promised this to his chosen apostles. Also in verse 5, it says he promised this at a certain time in just a few days. Actually, about 10 days was the specific period. And lastly, in Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus promised this at a certain place. He said, but stay here in the city, meaning Jerusalem. So it's really interesting to me that all of this prophecy, as they looked ahead to Pentecost, Jesus made very specific what John had said much in general. On that first Pentecost, it was Christ who baptized that group of believers with the Holy Spirit, who became an indwelling reality. And the Apostle Paul tells us that from this point forward, it is the Holy Spirit who baptizes every new believer into the body of Christ, the moment they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the last scripture in the New Testament that talks about this is Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 26, going over to chapter 2, verse 4. Here's Acts 1, 26. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other eleven. Starting in chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like little flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them disability. Folks, we shouldn't have to say that what happened on Pentecost was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a historical event that was promised and fulfilled. The question we have to ask is why do we think it should be repeated? Jesus' birth was promised and fulfilled, so was his death. Do we expect these to be repeated? Pentecost is a very unique event. Why do we want to repeat it? Let me define for you the words baptized in or by the Holy Spirit. Let's just define that clearly right now. This means the immersion of the human spirit by the divine spirit, or in other words, the complete total takeover of the human mind 
by the divine mind. So why did Jesus do that? There must have been a very important reason behind such a significant event. What was it? I believe the answer is found in these following scriptures. See if you can recognize it. First up, Matthew 16, 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then Matthew 18, 18. I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And in John 20, 21 to 23, it says, Again he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus did not give the Holy Spirit to the apostles in the upper room. This was simply a very dramatic way of promising to them what they received on Pentecost. The Holy Spirit baptism was the immersion of the minds of the apostles for the purpose of equipping them for their work of speaking on behalf of the Lord. They were the agents Jesus used to set up his church. So then they were the foundation upon which the church was built, Ephesians 2.20. And Christ himself was the chief cornerstone, 1 Corinthians 3.11. Jesus promised them the baptism in the Holy Spirit to bring to their remembrance all that he had said to them in the right order and with the right emphasis, John 14.26. Considering the work to establish the church of our Lord, the baptism in the Holy Spirit was a practical necessity for these men who were unlearned and very ignorant. Let me take a moment to recap what I've just shared with you today. We've been talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I believe we've clearly stated what it means. It's not the element of baptism commanded by Jesus, nor is it associated with salvation or membership in the body of Christ. It is, as I just said moments ago, the immersion of the human spirit by the divine spirit or the complete and total takeover of the human mind by the divine mind. So in other words, it was the immersion of the apostles' minds for the purpose of equipping them for their work of speaking on behalf of the Lord. And I just said that they were agents that Jesus used to set up his church. And with the Holy Spirit's influence, each apostle, regardless of their background or education, would impart the same message with the same boldness required to impact lost souls for the kingdom of heaven. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came for us, beloved. He came for you and he came for me. Are you lost today? Do you feel abandoned? Are you looking for direction in your life? Are you looking for that purpose in your life? Then why not decide today to follow Jesus Christ, the Messiah? He loves you and he wants to come into your heart. He wants to give you all of him. Will you give him all of you? Why not let him come in today? God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. 
real hope.